very first episode of The Blonde Report with me, your host, Jeannie McPhillips, and our queen analyst, Mary Epner, blonde number one. Hello, Mary. Hi, Jeannie. How are you? Good to be here with you again. OMG. Wait, the pleasure is all mine, girl. Okay. Thank you. All mine. Let me just tell you guys why we're here, okay? First of all, blondes have more fun. Every time we start a podcast, we are going to start with a blonde joke. So today, we have this one on the docket. Mary, why didn't the blonde call 911? I haven't the foggiest. Because she couldn't (laughs) find the 11. We can laugh at ourselves. Okay. That's right. On a a more serious note, the Blonde Report is launching now for back to school. Perfect timing. And we are doing real investment research for retail by real blondes. That is us. Okay. Because we are real retailers, real blondes, and we have retail investment research for you, the retail investor. Mary and I go way back doing this research together because between the two of us, we have over 60 years of experience in the industry. And it doesn't get better than that. When you're trying to find out insights and how to invest and thinking about companies that make sense right now, if you have real insight into the inside of companies, what really goes on, and all of our research that we do on top of that, you can't go wrong. So we decided to create the Blonde Report. And this is our very first episode Blondes on Back to School Part 1, since that's the time of year where we are right now. So that is why we're here, happy to be here, excited to be here, launching this podcast with my favorite blonde, Mary Edmund. Thank you, Jeannie. You're welcome. Let's hear a little bit about you from you. Well, first of all, Jeannie, 60 years of experience between us. How is that mathematically possible? I just don't see that, but we won't go into that right now. Okay, so... Second, my dad. Is that another blonde joke? I think so. (laughs) Very good. I I didn't even realize it either. Okay, for me, I am a former retail executive. I started out of college at Saks Fifth Avenue, and I've had experience in merchandising and buying and all different facets of the business. Started in the Macy's training program as a buyer, worked my way up with my last merchandising job being VP of merchandising for girls apparel at Aeropostale. It was a $1 billion business. Then I switched over and I got into research for financial institutions who invest in retail. And I have been doing that for about the past 10 years. One of the other things I wanted to mention is that I've had experience in different kinds of products from $10 t-shirts up to designer apparel. So really, I cover all price points, men's, women's, kids, home, shoes, cosmetics, all of it. And also I worked for Saks, Macy's, and Lord & Taylor in addition to Aeropostale. So, I also, recently, in addition to doing the retail research, I also am an adjunct professor at FIT in the business tech division. 
And I also got my MBA at NYU over the course of the past 15 years. And that's me, Jeannie. Well, let me just say, wow. Okay, people, we are lucky to have the Queen Mary Eppner as part of the Blonde Report with all of those insights. What we're going to do on this podcast and in the Blonde Report in general is provide sound bites on retail research to enhance investment decisions in the space. With Mary's amazing background and research that she continues to do uh, and has done, like she said, for the past decade, and my own insights as well, I'm also a professor of business at SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. I have tons of experience in the industry as well from brands like Macy's, Lord & Taylor, Express, QVC, DTLR. So I started in the 80s when stores were hot and stores were important. Garmentos lived on 7th Avenue. <laughs> now there's tech companies on 7th Avenue. What is going on? <laughs> anyway, starting back in the day, we have a deep dive into the industry. Um, I also did, Mary and I go way back, we worked on retail research together with a company called Merchant Forecast. And that's where it all started. That's where we thought, you know what? Let's put our heads together. Let's put our blonde heads together and really blow this thing out. So that's where we're at. Um, I also have an MBA from Wharton, so I won't hold it against her that she has it from NYU. It's all good. <laughs> but it helps provide a, <laughs> it helps provide a strategic perspective for us as we look at the retail space, as we look at what's going on, wholesale, retail, supply chain. Um, and all, also, we both have world-class networks in the industry where we get expertise you know, from the ground. So that really makes a difference. All right, that's enough about the Blonde Report. Let's get into it. Mary, today we're talking Blondes on Back to School Part 1. We need to talk about key trends that are happening for back to school since that's where we're starting, that's the time of year it is, Q3-ish. Talk to us about what you're seeing out there. Okay, Jeannie, thank you. I think one of the first things I want to highlight is how different last year was for everybody, for obvious reasons, but I want to focus on three different points. Number one, there was an enormous shift from brick and mortar to digital. And customers who have never used online sites before felt very comfortable doing so, whether it was for buying aspirin online or buying their Prada bags. So that's one thing. And so this year, um, what's going to happen now that stores are open again, are customers coming back? Um, so that's what we'll be exploring and are currently exploring. Number two, we had a big shift in marketing last year because we didn't have people going into stores and the websites had to get very compelling and more focused in their approach. And what we saw was really the um, rise of micro-influencers versus influencers. The ones who can really dig down and ensure that we have the tried and true customers following them. Also, um, a lot of companies for back to school really shifted from doing TV and they quickly, quickly, quickly hired some of the biggest influencers out there at enormous rates. But that was really the difference last year and those who pivoted quickly won last year. And then the third and kind of the least sexy of the three is supply chain. And the reason I bring this up is because the supply chain was interrupted last year. That provides opportunity for this year. 
if you do it right, if you paid attention to where the problems were, that meant where is it being manufactured, the timing of it, the breakdowns of it, etc. So those are the three places I'm really focused on in terms of kind of areas. And then in terms of the um, sectors, I'm really looking at another three. Number one, re-commerce. Number two, athletic, athleisure, and that's apparel and sneakers. And then third, beauty. Okay, so much juicy info for these sound bites. And I'm gonna reiterate, these are sound bites for our audience, um, whoever's listening. By the way, thanks for tuning in. But who's ever listening, these are sound bites. And if you want more and deeper dive, you can hit our website, theblomreport.com, and we will schedule time to talk with you and go through these trends and this research that we've done in more depth. For now, we're keeping it light, right? Podcasts need to be short and sweet. People's time is valuable. We wanna just hit you with some hard stuff that you can dig into. So we're gonna understand a little bit more about these trends, but there are so much more than what we're telling you on the podcast sure to reach out to us if you want a deeper dive, as I said, at theblondereport.com. Um, okay, Mary, first of all, re-commerce. What is that? What does it mean? How big is it? And why is it important? Well, it is big. And just to give you some numbers, it is projected to be over $50 billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, in the next couple of years. Recommerce means reselling, reusing. And it just means taking merchandise that you previously owned and reselling it. It can be as is, it can be refurbished. And there are a lot of companies that really used this opportunity. We saw handbag companies do it. We've seen clothing companies do it. Some of them have gone public. And it is a big category. Who does it appeal to and why? Well, it's across the board, but mostly it's really focused and it's really popular among Gen Z millennials going into slightly older categories. And what I have been able to see through the research that we've done, as well as, you know, qualitative, is that these younger consumers who are young teens or just becoming teens are learning in schools about um, the problems with the planet and the, the problems we face. And we've got some really big influencers who are in their pre-teens who, who are gathering a lot of momentum. And so collectively, they want to figure out a way to help. If the adults aren't going to do it, they want to do something. So they want to ban these companies that you know produce too much waste with fast fashion, how they dispose of it, um, you know, and using the wrong ingredients, killing the environment. And my belief is uh, from talking to a lot of people and doing, like I said, formal research is that this is one way that they can do it. Here's the second plus to this, which is kind of interesting. So teens are always looking for jobs, right? You need money. Parents say, okay, you want to do that? You need some money. So where do you go? You go to the mall. You go to Walmart, you go to Target. Guess what? They weren't hiring. So there's there are companies like Depop, which was just bought by Etsy. Depop is a place to resell merchandise. They have over 30 million users, not followers, users. And you can go on there and sell anything you want. 
and it's just a brilliant concept. Young people love it. I'm sure some older people do, but it's really focused on them and they can sell their merchandise and make some money. And it's like, hey, look, mom and dad, I made some money. So that's great. That's what I love about it. And so that is becoming, uh, you know, a way that they are helping the environment. They're gaining steam. And Jeannie, you'll remember over the years in merchandising, we tried to do organic cotton or environment, environmentally friendly fabrics, things like that. You really couldn't get it off the ground because there wasn't enough interest in it. And there wasn't enough critical mass. And the prices These, were out, the prices were insane. Too. They were insane, exactly. And that's changed. And sometimes prices are a little bit more, but what's interesting is these groups of consumers are willing to spend a little more. And so that's what's exciting about it. And it just continues to grow and it's not going anywhere. And I think it's probably the most um, interesting thing out there right now. And we'll be big for back to school. I did see something in our research, something like 73% of Gen Z and 86% of millennials are willing to pay more for yes sustainable what they consider to be sustainable and that's a whole other category so we are going to cover sustainable what that means in another episode down the line yes well because this is like a big deal like she said it's in the billions that this is crazy yes it is um, yep. so yep. awesome awesome okay we we, we, we talked about re-commerce beauty and athleisure so let's hear a little bit about your take on beauty so beauty is interesting because of everything that went wrong last year that um, that uh, unwittingly damaged that business. And number one, we had masks. And so a lot of women and men really got more lax with their skincare, wearing makeup and so on. If you could only see from the, you know, your nose up, you know, and you're only seeing your eyes, then the eyes had it. But that's not enough to, that's not enough to propel a business. So think about it. these cosmetic companies missed out on cheeks, foundation, lips, and skincare, all of that. And so we think there's going to be a huge plus this fall. The other thing is last year that the um, deliveries were interrupted. Um, the stocks were not replenished. Remember, the beauty business is a replenishment business. And companies had simply stopped producing and they weren't, um, these stores weren't getting the inventory. Um, and then third, they did unprecedented promotions. For example, you could go and get the very best skincare brands at 25 off. That was unheard of. And so that was great. But then if you didn't get replenished, it was a big problem. So I think that due to the out of stocks and the masks and sort of the more lax approach to taking care of one's face, you know, it presents a huge opportunity for this fall. And I think we're going to see some big things there. So a couple things to reiterate that, that the queen just said, yes, she is my blonde queen. Okay, we <laughs> talked about supply chain. That is another topic that we yeah. are going to cover on this very, very critical time of year and time in the in this industry, uh, supply chain and what that means. Right now, there's a lot of inflation happening in the fashion business as well. So we're going to talk about the supply chain uh, in, in a few weeks. Just a little uh, precursor there. And I just, it's just a little bit of a throwback, Mary, because you got me got me on uh, it's throwback thursday <laughs> and i just when you talk about the beauty the, remember the beauty counters 
I, yes, back in the day, there was nothing like going to the beauty counters at a department store. Where are they today? We don't have them anymore, right? Oh my God. That's right. No, the consumer wishes to put together his or her own uh, beauty and makeup, you know, um, regiments. And so it's, um, it's different now. It used to be you'd go to the counter and you got sort of sucked into buying one brand and it was hard to go around and buy from brand to brand. I mean, you could, but it's a little bit laborious. And now they, um, you can buy whatever you want, wherever you want. So the, the beauty counter is still there. It's just different than it was. It's morphed. And, and now, now yes. the, retailers, the, the retailers like Sephora and Ulta really sure. change the game. And what does this mean? Like for what companies are, are you know, having to really scramble? I mean, like a Mac or an Estee Lauder, some of these, these brands are really, you know, troubled. Well, I think that, you know, I think that Estee Lauder will do, you know, at the heart of it, they're an excellent company. They have a very good supply chain. Now with underneath the Estee Lauder umbrella, you mentioned Mac and sure there are issues there and there um, that's gone through a whole management revamp in the past 18 months to two years. And so I think that um, you know, it actually works well for them because um, they had more time to rebrand and redo and come out better from this. But I think that many of these companies were caught up, especially like an Estee Lauder, to your point, um, with having to be a part of these store promotions of 20% off their best brands. You could get 20% off La Mer, right? And so, and that's one of the best brands out there. So I think that, um, you know, they were very quick to respond, but it didn't happen quickly enough. And so now I think that the task is um, in the supply chain. And that's one, like I said, it's one of the least sexy, but it's so important because I think that's going to be how stores handle their supply chain could be the make or break um, issue of this entire year. So crazy. Yes, okay. it is. The last trend that we're going to cover, Mary's going to talk about athleisure, but I think we should wrap it into a couple of the companies that are recording this week. One of the things sure. we're to touch on today were, you know, Q2 earnings are coming out last week, this week, a lot of, lot of good stuff. And our research, we, we're wearing our chicken dinner because our queen has been talking about companies like Under Armour and Adidas and what they're doing and lo and behold some earnings are coming out and we're looking good what do you think about that can you can you wrap that together with the athleisure conversation mary i sure can so part of the athleisure conversation is as follows last year what did we wear people wore sweats knit hands they could have had holes they could have been dirty maybe they were clean and we didn't really care now that we're going out in public again it's not like we want to go back to items that don't have stretch so our research shows that the customer wants to you know punch it up a bit and the way to do that is still have the elastic because you know most of us and i will i'm saying us gained weight and we're not going back to any fixed weights anytime soon so this bodes well for athleisure and and then these companies like under Armour, Adidas, and, and all of these others, they've really stepped up their game and they've made the black pant more fashionable. Some embellishments, some stripes, some this, some that, and wear with heels. That's the big thing. It's not just wearing it with sneakers. So it's a whole new look. 
and that's where I think it's, you know, it's really exciting. And the other piece of this genie is that in the apparel, so that's kind of the fashion piece, um, but let's think about it. Last fall for back to school, uh, students and, you know, adults as well could not participate in team sports. Okay, there were no team sports in junior high, high school, college. They're all coming back this year. And many of these students have grown, like me, even though they have a better excuse than I do. And so, yeah, well, you know, that's part of their growing pattern. This is not supposed to be it for me, but it is. So anyway. That's why we focus um, on so the blondes. They, we focus on the blondes. That's right. Exactly. You know. You've got it. You've got it. So they're going to have to buy new warm-up pants, soccer shoes, soccer pants, all these different kinds of uh, gear that they need for the functional or performance uh, sports. And then um, as far as the shoes are concerned, they haven't, they haven't really stopped selling. What I see happening now is that we're going from a year last year of wearing slippers, you know, Birkenstocks, Uggs, you know, and feathers and flip-flops, and now we're putting regular shoes on again. And for the third quarter coming up, that's going to be mostly athletic shoes. Um, you know, a functional sneaker, a fashion sneaker. So I think that even though those have been robust for years, it's just going to the next level for practice to go back to college. Amazing. And how are, the, how are these companies what kind of what kind of things are you seeing coming out of earnings that you have been, you know, reporting on and talking about? Well, so you know, again, Under Armour. I've been bullish on yeah, I've been bullish on um, Under Armour for a long time now, and that's because they corrected a lot of past mistakes that had occurred before uh, the pandemic, and they used this time last year to get their supply chain. There's that word again or that phrase. Um, they they improved that. They got the right inventory in the right place. They produced it. They added on new categories, and the customer is really responding to those. Um, same with other, you know, uh, sneaker companies necessarily in athleisure. You know, Ralph Lauren. You know, a lifestyle brand that's performed well, and that's one where that we also called and saw that through these things that Ralph is not really known for. You think of Ralph and this, you know, lifestyle brand that is so cool and, you know, somewhat Hollywoodish and so on. They focused on their website and their marketing and their supply chain, and it's working out for them. So we think that's going to be one of the biggest winners in this category, even though they're not just about, you know, athleisure. They have some, but, you know, it's polos and they've got a custom business. So there are a lot of cool things happening in there that are sort of intertwined in this athleisure category. Well, there you have it, people. Sound bites. Okay, you keep hearing, keep hearing this. Supply chain, inventory, marketing, um, digital, website. Sustainability. Yeah. Sustainability. Soundbite, soundbite, soundbites. And we are going to explore these more on future episodes, FYI. But for today, those are some of the things we want you to take away. When Mary talks about the new normal of inventory levels, what does that mean? We don't need to go. Do you want me to answer that, that now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another yeah. day. <laughs> Another okay. day. Let's let's keep let's ready keep when you are. Guessing, right? Let's just this is what she needs, the new normal. You got what it. Is that? So 
As we're closing up today, thanks again for being with us. Don't forget to hit us on the website, theblondereport.com. Let us know what you think about our fabulous new podcast and our fabulous sound bites on retail research. Mary, what's up for next week? What do we have on the docket for our next episode? So next week, uh, we are going to focus on home and technology. And it's for these reasons. Last fall, home got a big boost because people were staying home and you got tired of looking at the same four walls. So people decorated a little bit, but also they had to buy new office units, desks. They had to resituate their offices and, and you know living space and so on. And so they had a, a surge there but some of the other categories went down. Now, uh, people, students are actually going back to college. So we got a big dorm opportunity that we didn't see last fall. So we're gonna talk about that. Also intertwined with this is technology. Like the home business, last year, uh, a lot of consumers had to buy extra technology. So extra pads, extra, phones, computers, whatever, because they only had one for the family and four people were home. So now people are asking, what does this mean for this fall? That's what we're going to explore next week. Can't wait. So exciting. Also, yes, uh, it is. It is so exciting. And, and our Queen Mary is so humble. If you didn't get enough of us today, you could check out Mary on TD Ameritrade, Reuters, and Bloomberg. She is a frequent contributor on these hot networks in the financial ecosystem. So we are the real deal here at The Blonde Report. Just letting you know, Mary, we're signing off today. Thanks so much for being here with us. Any last words, Miss Mary? Thank you. Nope. Okay. Thank you. We'll and see, see you next week. Yeah, we'll see y'all next week on the line. Peace, love, rock. <laughs>